0: Hi, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the panel, the future of data on Kubernetes with Adobe and CNCF. My name is Sylvain Kalash. I'm the head of content at the data on Kubernetes community. So today we are uh, joined by two amazing speakers, Ching and Joseph. Hi to both of you. Uh Um, Before getting started, uh, how about uh, we get to know a little bit uh, more about you uh xing let's start with you
1: sure hello everyone my name is xing yang i'm a tech lead in the cloud storage team at vmware i'm also a co-chair of cncf tech storage a co-chair of kubernetes 6 storage i also co-lead the data protection working group in kubernetes
2: i'm uh, joseph Senoval. i am uh, with adobe and I work with our Ethos uh, container platform team, and I'm one of the lead engineers with, the, with that organization. Um, I also have been with the Kubernetes release teams over the last six release cycles, just recently served as the 124 Emeritus advisor.
0: Amazing, thank you to both of you. So uh, we ran uh, a survey um, that you can download our, on, our, on our website, excuse me, on okay, uh, DOK.community that found that 90% of people who were surveyed believe that Kubernetes is actually ready uh, for running stateful uh, workload. But obviously, there are still a a lot of challenges. uh, And and we are quite excited today to to get your take on where things are going today. And um, how do you think they will evolve? Um, Joseph, let's start with you. Um, so this morning, we, we got uh, a demonstration from AD uh, showing um, how Kafka uh, runs as, as a stateful worker on Kubernetes. Um, in general, like, could, could you say uh, you know, what is natively handled um, by Kubernetes from what is
2: not? Well, the, the team there, I mean, they have really tried to put Kubernetes first and really when you know it makes sense they're looking at like the native things that will allow them to run these workloads. And so you know it's it's, it's always kind of in motion, um, one thing I do know is that that group has really taken in like. Um, you know let's let's think about what we're building and designing and then looking at like the Kubernetes constructs and you know things like operators, which to me like makes sense when you're looking at the lifecycle of these either streaming services or more staple type, you know, database apps make sense. And so I think that's always kind of been in their design from the beginning of their architecture is just looking at it, it was like, you know, how do we natively run? But the challenge comes in is we live in a world where, um, you know, even though it's 2022, we're coming out of like this world of like that initial cloud, VMs. a lot of these things were kind of built with that kind of abstraction in mind and now having to move these things and run them in Kubernetes, well, not everything is always ready. And so I know they've had to make some pragmatic decisions in regards to uh, like workload rebalancing, you know, is there, should we use more of the native tool? And as it catches up and becomes more Kubernetes, Kubernetes aware, maybe it evolves into an operator, but they've leaned on these kind of tools to be able to do some of these day-to-day things that are needed for the current beating of these applications. Mm-hmm.
0: Operator are a very hot topic. Um, You know, I think they are kind of like the, one of the key elements of of running data on Kubernetes, like, do you think that operator in some way, are this tool that um, allows us to, to kind of fill the gaps in what's not there yet when you run, when you want to run the stateful workload, you know, there is always a gap between, hey, it's running, but then you have day two operation. And I feel like operator are, a kind of the, the magic key magic tool for now would you you think the
2: same i would you know I, I would think so and I, I think also what factors in there and especially for a team that you know talked this morning was that they're at a little bit different complexity level meaning you know they are now running multi-cloud they are running in these hybrid environments that they have to adapt with and so i think there's a lot of kind of like uh, you know work that Needs to be codified into an operator to kind of deal with some of these things, and so that's where I think some of the challenge comes in. It is is that complexity, but I think from an initial starting point where Kubernetes is at today, I would ideally would like to see you know individuals when they make these decisions are, does this vendor have like an operator can work with? And so I think for one of the examples that uh, from this morning they're running Kafka, for example, at Streaming Map, um, I think that was one of the things they did a really exhaustive kind of analysis on of like hey, which one kind of really works for us? And, and the great thing wasn't that ecosystem is in times past there may be one blessed operator, but when they did their analysis, there's actually like four or five and there's other teams at Adobe as well who are doing these same things on our platform. And I know that they're they're using cooperator in the demo this morning. I know other teams looking at StreamZ for Kafka. So the great thing is, is we're starting to see a lot of more variance depending on like, your scale, your size, and your use case. So I think that's, to me, the emerging side of maturity. Thank you, Jose. Um
0: Xingyang, like through your work at the CNCF, um, what do you see? What, are you seeing like some requests from, some, from end users? Um, you know, what are the typical things that they are running into or, or that you think are top of, of their mind? Or? in terms of, of feature requests or things they would like to, to see um, the community to build?
1: Um, I think, uh, I see that a lot of people, uh, they actually want to run databases in Kubernetes, um, but I think this is uh, still evolving. So you can see that many people are building tools that uh, helping them out, like the operators you guys are talking about. Actually, yesterday in the CNCF tech storage meeting, someone talked about building a operator for PostgreSQL, and they're actually going to donate that as a CNCF sandbox project. So I think this type of operator is really helpful for end users running data workloads in Kubernetes. Is it EDB? Oh, yes. Oh, you know that? Oh, yeah,
0: yeah EGB is actually a, a sponsor of, of, the, of the community. So we thank oh, okay. them for, for being part oh, yes, of the community. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. So very interesting that, you know, I think this, this operator topic once more is, is, is coming on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, Xingyang, like, what are other key initiatives that, um, you know, some of your group and maybe other groups, are currently working on that you believe will improve uh, you know, the, the state of running uh, stateful workload on Kubernetes?
1: Yeah, so I think data workloads typically use persistent volumes to store data. And those persistent volumes are provisioned mostly using a CSI driver now, although some people are still using the entry local volumes or the local volume static provisioner. But I think moving forward, you'll see more and more people using uh, CSI drivers because that's uh, getting more and more mature. So I think that all the work we're doing in SIG Storage around CSI is actually very important in helping the data workloads because that is the building the foundation. Um, And also uh, we have this uh, Cozy project that is coming along uh, that will provide Kubernetes APIs to provision object buckets. So this will be helpful for workloads that want to use object storage to store data. So we're trying to bring this project to alpha in 1.25 release. Um, And then the other CNCF uh, storage project I want to mention is uh, EDCD. So EDCD is used to store Kubernetes API objects for every Kubernetes cluster. So we know that is definitely important. Uh, I recently heard that there are some uh, a data inconsistency issue that caused a lot of problems. Um, but one of my coworker actually stepped up at, uh, and he submitted a fix. So that is fixed now. So that is great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. it's on a stateful thing.
2: And when operators brought up, I was kind of like, whoa, like, <laughs> I'm not ready for this. So what a lot of us had to do is we were really kind of like taking, you know, the Kubernetes, which was really like for those stateless, those things that were easy to run, you know, that it was the schedule was designed for it. But a lot of times we have challenges with some of these persistent workloads with like doing, you know, rolling updates and sometimes it can cause disruptions. And little incremental features like that are meaningful downstream for us who are trying to navigate running these workloads in these environments. And so I, I think that's really what's been the, the game changer over the last few release cycles Is seeing these iterative developments to where it's becoming more like aware of these workloads and making it easier for a lot of us operators downstream. So I just had to call that out because you know, just taking a look at that. I was like, this is exciting because yes, I know it's alpha, but we'll be in a couple of releases being able to have something like this that'll make our lives easier as operators.
0: Thanks for sharing. Always good to Xing (laughs) Yang, (laughs) you see? are doing amazing job, <laughs> Joseph is praising your work. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Uh, actually, like a lot, of, a lot of the work um, that's done um, over there is done by by volunteer and people who are just passionate and want to give back um, and also are interested in the type of problems that are uh, being solved. Shengyang, um, are there some groups like if some some people in the audience want to uh, you know contribute uh, to help? Uh, improve data on Kubernetes, what are some groups or initiatives that, that they should check out?
1: Um, so I will say SIG storage and data protection <laughs> <by> Group in Kubernetes. <laughs> so in SIG storage, uh, we are making sure storage is available to be consumed by containers when the containers are scheduled. And we're focusing on block and file storage now, and object storage is coming next. So whenever our workload Um, uses persistent volume, it is using the features owned by SIG storage. So that's why SIG storage is uh, really important. (laughs) And in the data production wing group, we want to make sure that your precious data is protected from data uh, data corruption or data loss. So that's also an important group uh, for you to come and join. Um, Another SIG I want to mention is uh, SIG apps. Uh, So Joseph mentioned, uh, stable set, right? So, because you know, uh, Sig Apps own those uh, workload APIs like stable set deployment. So it is very important to contribute and improve those APIs, and that will make the operator's life easier.
0: <laughs> okay. Sig Storage forever. That should be the, the tagline of the panel. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, great. So, when when we we surveyed. Um, hundreds of companies um, about their uh, data on kubernetes um, needs a lot of them were interested in in finding more all all of the shell solution um to to make data on kubernetes easier Um, any of you do you have like some good resources or tips that um you know you think people might not be aware of that we should know about Sing, do you,
1: do you have something? Ah, um, Joseph, I see I, just unmuted, you Qing, it's just mute. Shing, let's start. Okay, uh, maybe I'll start. I, uh, I do not feel I have a, a magic answer. I feel this question is so general. So it depends on so many things. Like what workloads are they running, right? So if we know what workloads they're running, then maybe we know there is an existing operator that they can use. Uh, or, what distro are they running? You know, they are they running Tenzu OpenShift Venture? So, those distros may have some tools that can help as well. Um, so, I was just <laughs> thinking that there was a uh, I, I, I heard there was this uh, uh, RabbitMQ operator that I can use uh, on the Tenzu side. I think it's not just limited to Tenzu and used in other Kubernetes distros as well. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's. This question is just a little bit too general for me. Maybe Joseph, you have some thoughts. No, I mean,
2: I I think even for for like myself, I mean, well, obviously, you know, we're talking about data on Kubernetes, the community, and I think there's been, you know, a lot of learnings in there. And if anything, I I think that's really what's going to drive, you know, and help a lot of us is just that collective experience, because, you know, this is a challenging space and and it's still kind of evolving a bit. And so that feedback loop of, you know, your learnings, and then I think just a little bit earlier, Zengyang, she mentioned, you know, about some of the different SIGs, and what's what's really needed is a lot more involvement from community of operators so that they get the signal that, that what's that what's working, you know, help them understand, you know, how we can improve these things, along with you know, communicating back up to a lot of these, you know, projects that are open source as well, like at Adobe, you know, we are, you know, like Kafka, Spark, all these other different things, you know. We have you know Postgres, MySQL, like in getting involved in it as well, as well, and then you know sharing these things, bringing up the issues, and then as well as you know can you pitch in and help improve some of these things as well? I think it's that collective kind of effort that I think is really where you're going to get a lot of value at. I think it's a different you know paradigm. We're not you know we're not looking for the vendor to solve all our problems. We're actually leveraging that community for a lot of this this knowledge and. I know there's a lot of efforts to bring some of these things together, you know, as we're learning at scale. Um, And so I think we're at a really good checkpoint. I think where we're at with Kubernetes, there's a lot that's happened in there where like if you asked me six, seven releases ago, you know, know, I was reticent, Um, but because of like a lot of that community effort, it's like, yeah, I think this is a great time to be deploying these staple apps on Kubernetes.
0: Great. so as a community, we. We heard a lot about people, I would say struggling to kind of identify solution or products to do that. So actually today we, we just announced a new project. It's, it's the data on, on Kubernetes landscape. Uh, we took inspiration from, from the CNCF landscape. So it's, it's a tool for end users to, to find a solution product and consultancies around, um, around running uh, data on Kubernetes. And you can filter by categories, uh, you know, database, storage, streaming, messaging, and then other metadata filters such as, does it has an operator or a kubectl plugin? Is it open source or things like that? Um, so we, we hope it's gonna help the community to, to navigate the landscape. So we have a very few minutes, the last question uh, before we end this, this panel. Uh, Joseph, like, how does Kubernetes fit, fit into the long-term plan for Adobe?
2: Kubernetes is really is, is strategic to Adobe across you know, all our solutions. So, you know, we, we have quite a large platform, but all efforts are in on, on Kubernetes. And that includes you know, a lot of the more staple workloads. You have to think this is a company that is over 30 years old and it has a lot of applications that have been around that long. And yet there's a heavy investment to bring all these things into Kubernetes in a more native a native way. And what that means is we need those constructs that support stateful workloads so um, we're all in that I, I can say that for sure
0: super shingyan joseph thank you thank you and, and thank Appreciate you thank it. you thank you everybody for watching Bye-bye. Bye-bye. bye
1: bye bye bye